Would you open God's precious holy word to Psalm 143? This is the last of the penitential psalms that David writes. It's a, it's a model prayer. It's, it's a lesson from heaven. And it's just a real good uh, psalm for us to meditate upon and reflect upon. And I just call the psalm prayer time. And it has only two parts. Uh, the first part is hear me. Lord, hear me. So let's look at the first six verses. A song of David, Yahweh. So he appeals directly to his personal God, his Savior, Yahweh. It's a very intimate, the very intimate name for God that really is only used by his people, especially his, his covenant people. And if you look or if you consider in the Hebrew Old Testament, God in creation has no reason to be personal in the act of creation, the earliest of time in the beginning. So in the beginning, Elohim, that's, that's an impersonal name that speaks of supreme power. It's modified in Genesis with the pronoun he. So we know that even though Elohim is a, is a plural, it's modified by the singular pronoun he. So it speaks of the triune God and yet even so, it is only Elohim until man comes on the scene. And then it is Lord God or Yahweh Elohim. And when man comes on the scene, it, it is obvious that God's intent is to be personal with the pinnacle of his creation, namely man, uh, who was made a little lower than the angels, but the angels at that time had already been created. It is man, though that God places as the, uh, as, the, as, the, as the ruler of his created earth, his created world. So from then on, we understand that when the term Yahweh is used between, between the, a person and his praying uh, or in a, set of cir in a circumstance, it is a personal and intimate dealing with God and his servant or God and his people. David in the 23rd Psalm calls, for example, he calls Yahweh, he calls him Yahweh shepherd. So for a long time, David, for many years, he's not, he's not really that old at this point because this is most likely still among the Psalms that David is writing, hiding from Saul as Saul pursues him. But for all of his life, he has known God in a personal and intimate way. And there is no fear in his heart going before Yahweh in prayer. 
So he calls him by his personal name, Yahweh. Hearken to my prayer. Hear my prayer. Lend ear to my supplications. There's that word again. A list. A definite list of needs presented to Yahweh. I have, and especially my pastoral life, I have kept a prayer diary. I have certain needs. You know, when I was a kid, a little bitty kid, one of my, one of my main prayer concerns was that God would provide me with a Superman suit. I think it was last year I knocked that off the list. He, uh, <clears throat> I, I, I finally have decided he has said no to the Superman suit. But in that journal, it's interesting, you have needs. And of course you have ongoing needs, needs for your family to be cared for, for God to meet your needs and physical and temporal needs and spiritual needs. And there are specific things along the way and many times, and it may take a year, two years, three years, but those ongoing needs that you feel impressed to keep in your heart and in your list, those things either quietly disappear because God has let you grow beyond that and has revealed to you that you don't need that uh, particular part of your life to be whatever, uh, or this part of your prayer to be fulfilled in the way that you think it should be fulfilled because generally it is fulfilled in a way better than you could have thought of when you first put it on the, when I first put it on the list. Then there are those things that God does and you mark those off of your list. Well, that's a supplication. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's in the plural here, which tells us that David has concerns. And I guess any of us who keep a prayer diary like that would keep, would keep a list of, of in various areas. I, as a pastor, I have, a, I have a, a prayer list, a supplication for the church and the people of the church the needs of the church, the direction of the church. As a father and a grandfather, of course, for my, uh, for my family and other things. So, there, you know, you, your, your, your supplications may go in various directions, but they all have important needs that you feel in your heart are important. This is David. <clears throat> a, he's making a plea, a personal plea to Yahweh. Hear my prayer. He has a great need here. Lend ear to my supplications. He's praying in every direction. What would, how would David pray? He would be praying for Israel. He'd be praying for his family. He would be praying uh, for the person who's, who's tending the flock now that he's gone into, the, uh, into hiding. And he would pray for uh, King Saul and, and the, the, uh, the kingdom. He would pray for the men who are faithfully following him. He would pray for his safety, pray for all kinds of things. Uh, so he has supplications that he lays out. Lend ear to my supplications with your faithfulness. Answer me with your righteousness. Another lesson in praying here, and David prayed, I mean, 
you can see the Psalms and you just get the sense that this man prayed fervently and sincerely, almost constantly. Here he says, I'm praying according to your faithfulness. There's nothing I can do to fill these needs. Nothing. It's all up to you. And then he says, answer me with your righteousness. I'm unworthy. I don't claim to be worthy for you to hear my prayer and to answer my prayer on the basis of anything that is righteous or worthy in my life. I don't claim it, but I know what kind of God you are. So I'm pleading with you to answer me with your righteousness, according to your righteousness. That's like saying almost according to your will. God is working out his perfect righteousness in a fallen universe. Finally, to have his purpose of complete redemption absolutely completed in the new heaven and the new earth. But we're currently going along in a fallen world and everything that we pray for has to be according to the righteousness of God. So that's sort of like saying according to your will because we don't really know the best way to pray. All we can do is pray the way we see it in the best way that we can in, in, to the degree of sanctification that the Lord uh, has allowed in our lives. But still in this life we fall short. So it has to be according to the will of God, according to the righteousness of God, according to the faithfulness of God. And do not come to judgment with your servant. David, David takes the position of being a servant of Yahweh because the, the word of Yahweh through Samuel. Now remember in Samuel, we studied it several months ago, I guess, where God said to Israel, I'm going to give my word to Samuel and Samuel is going to give that word to you. My word is Samuel's word. Samuel's word is my word. So here we see that David knows that he's a servant because Samuel has anointed him as king. Now he's not the acting king right now, but David knows that the word of God is perfect and true and it will come to pass. So he says, I'm your servant. God makes promises to his people. God calls us to himself in certain ways. And we can stand on that. Not according to our faithfulness, not according to our righteousness, but according to his. Therefore, David says, don't come to judgment with your servant. What do you think he means? Well, he's hiding from Saul. The, he, it's, it's, it's not wanted dead or alive. It is wanted dead. That's David's life. That's how he is. That's how he's living. Saul will kill him. Saul's men will kill him. They won't ask any questions. They will tear him to shreds. So he's saying... Don't let me come into judgment like this. I'm your servant. 
Because if it was that way, no living being would be innocent before you. There's another thing in his prayer that David acknowledges. Now remember, this is a divinely inspired prayer. This is a divinely inspired word of God. David may not have understood it that way at the time. When he prayed and he made it a song and then put it into the registry and the collection of the Psalms. But from heaven's perspective, we have to understand there is none who does good, no, not one. Not any character in the Bible except for the Lord Jesus Christ is seen as a flawless character. As a matter of fact, their flaws are pointed out to us freely. There's, there's no backing away from the fallenness of man and the nature that is in man as long as he walks through this life. David acknowledges that. He's saying, I'm not coming on the basis of any merit or any guiltlessness. I'm coming before you as your servant. And I know that this is the only way to appeal to you like this is the only way I can appeal to you because none of us really deserve anything. None of us are innocent before you. David therefore understands something about the grace of God. He's not in a, temple, a tabernacle or a temple when he prays this. He is not going through a priest among in Israel or a Levite when he prays this. He is coming with a, <clears throat> with a broken heart, opened before God and poured out before God. Acknowledges what kind of person he is. Acknowledging that Yahweh is his personal God. And that God has the ability to answer his prayer and acknowledges his belief in the word of God because he says he's a servant of God. And God has said things about David. For an enemy pursued my soul. He crushed my soul to the earth. He has made me dwell in dark places like those who are long dead. Now we can take this Literally, but it's but it's in a metaphor, in a metaphorical sense. So I just I just made that up. Uh, this is how he feels. Apart from your grace and apart from your help, Yahweh, I'm a dead man. My men are dead men. We're in dark places. We're crawling around on our bellies. We are hiding from from horses and chariots and footmen. They're all around us. They're pursuing my soul, the essence of my existence. Crushing my soul to the earth. Now, the soul is the emotional man. It's the nafash. It's the, uh, the emotional seat of man. David is a very, a very emotional man. We see it in his Psalms. He's very emotional here. He's crushed. His soul is crushed. He is agonizing in his heart. He knows that he's the servant of Yahweh. But what is he supposed to do? Surrounded by these enemies who are well organized and well armed. 
What is he supposed to do? What are, what are his men supposed to do? They're all like dead men. So he prays. He prays. He says, Yahweh, hearken to my prayer. Answer me. Pursued by an enemy, my soul is crushed to the earth. And I'm dwelling like a dead man who has long been dead. I don't have any way to protect myself, to deliver myself. I have the greatest of all needs among humans. This is how he's praying. So he continues and says, and we've heard this before. My spirit is enra- has enwrapped itself upon me. and Within me, my heart is appalled. The, uh, we know that the spirit, the, the, the ruach, is, is, is the breath that God gives us. And it's, it's vital uh, to life. We were discussing earlier today the difference between pneumonia and COVID pneumonia. This air and the way that we breathe it automatically, these are things of God. Science can explain it in various ways, but the truth is that it is the breath of God. So he is saying, he's describing the faintness of his feeling. My heart can't stand this and my spirit is enwrapped upon me and I'm He's, it's like he's having difficulty breathing. He's in, he's in anxiety and he's praying in the midst of his anxiety. I remember the old days. I meditate over all your works. I speak of the work of your hands. There are other Psalms where David talks about the stars. He talks about the angels. Made a little lower. Uh, man is made a little lower than the angels. What is man that you're mindful of? Can you imagine a shepherd out on a clear night looking at that sky at, in that time of history? All that he could see, sometimes maybe, maybe movement. And he would contemplate the work of God's hands. He would consider the natural cycle of life, watching over his flock, defending them from the dangers that they faced. He remembers the old days when it was just him and God and he didn't have these, he didn't have these complexities of life, a, a political life and, and an enemy like this who hated him for no other reason for no good reason. I remember those days, the simplicity and how I meditated over all of your works. I speak of the work of your hands. I spread out my hands to you. My soul longs for you like a thirsty land. Silah. David knew about drought. He knew about the need of moving his flock from one place where the, where the streams of waters had dried up to another place where the water was in a little better shape. 
He knew about all of those things. He knew about standing in the presence of the canopy of space, the work of the hands of God at night and lifting his hands to the God of all creation. I remember these days. And you are the one, you whose hand has made everything. You who are great above all. I long for you. Just like on occasions my sheep longed for water. How a dry and parched earth longed for water in a dry and thirsty land. I'm, I'm totally helpless. I'm out of energy. I'm out of power. I have none. I long for you. Silah. It's a wonderful thing when God has called a person into service like he sent Samuel to anoint David as the next king. And carrying this great promise of God and yet in this dire emergency of his life. It's a great thing to experience the deliverance of God. I knew you would do this because of your word. My soul longs for you like a thirsty land. Hear me and answer me. Answer me quickly, Yahweh. My spirit pines. How about that? Would you hurry up, Yahweh? I, I could use it like right now, your help. Answer me quickly. Do it now. My spirit pines. I'm in distress. Do not hide your countenance from me, lest I be likened to those who descend into the pit. The unbelievers, those who are outside of the covenant, the reprobate of the world, don't turn your face from me. Look to me, look at me, and answer me quickly. Can you imagine God? God has all the time. God possesses the time. He has all the time he needs, you know, to do something. And here's a little guy down there crying out to God, would you make it quick? I'm only here and I'm all of a sudden in this mess. I didn't really get myself into this mess. I'm in this mess because you have spoken to me about serving you. And this mess came upon me quickly. Would you answer me quickly, Yahweh? I am in distress. Don't hide. Don't look away from me. Look to me. Deliver me. Let me hear your loving kindness in the morning. Now that word loving kindness is the word that speaks of the covenant love, the covenant loyalty of God. God, I'm one of yours. 
Your covenant has made guarantees to me. I didn't ask for these guarantees, but this is your word. I'm praying in the morning. I'm praying now early in the day. Would you express to me the love that you have that comes from you, the loyalty that you have that comes from yourself, and it extends to me because of the covenant that you have established and that you have guaranteed will be fulfilled. Let me hear this in my morning prayer, for I hope in you. Now David had a covenant with God. God had a covenant with David. The Davidic covenant. That's a nice description of it. And David knows that the fulfillment of God's word that God has given to him in his life, the fulfillment of that word and that covenant and the promises that God makes to his people, they're all dependent upon God. We cannot reach up and wrest it from the hand of God. We cannot climb a mountain and get into the face of God. It is totally dependent upon God. God assumes the responsibility of fulfilling His Word and being loyal to His covenant and, and extending His loyal love to those with whom He's made a covenant. John writes in his epistle, he says, we love God because He first loved us. For I hope in you. Let me know the way in which I am to go. For to you have I lifted up my soul. I don't trust myself. I won't go any. And this, this I, may I say, this identifies the life of David. Don't do this. Now he slipped up a couple of times. But the general direction of his life is not to do anything unless God has given him the direction. He prays about that. It's obvious in his life and in the Psalms that he prays about these things all the time. All the time. I'm afraid to depend upon myself. You will need to let me know which way I'm to go. For I've lifted up my soul from you. Save me from my enemies, Yahweh. In you I take refuge. In you I take shelter. You are the one who will cover me and protect me. You will be my fortress. There's no way I can defend myself against the armies of Saul and against the twisted mind of the king. I'm hopeless and helpless. I can only depend upon you. So answer me, answer me, O Yahweh. Teach me to do your will. You're my God. You're my God. May your good spirit lead me in the land of uprightness. That's also translated table land. David, that's a, that's, a, that's a term very familiar to a shepherd. Table land, you know, the high, 
the high plain where the shepherd can take his sheep and he can be on guard from the table land. He can see everything that is happening up there on the, the table land, the land of uprightness, the land of high, high level privilege. Take me there. Take me there. For the sake of your name, Yahweh, revive me. Yahweh, it is your word that you spoke. I did not speak this word. You spoke this word. I'm not responsible for the establishment of your promise. You are because you made the promise. I did not ask for the promise. You made the promise. You gave to me your covenant. You sent your prophet to anoint me. This whole thing rests on your shoulders, Yahweh. For the sake of your name, revive me. For the sake of your righteousness, deliver my soul from distress. God has made promises to us. It's important that we, we maintain a serious study of the Scriptures as disciples of Christ. And when God said, says these things, we can stand on them. We don't have to just look at it like it's a nice and pretty thing for God to say. It's God's Word. He says things. He makes promises for His people. And we can stand there. And so now His name is at stake. His his, the sake of His righteousness. All of these are at stake. God assumes this responsibility. There's nothing wrong with saying, Oh Lord, You said these things. And You will deliver. Not because of who I am, but because of who You are. And because You made the promise. Someday, if I have any degree of consciousness and I am in my, on my, de my deathbed, slowly descending out of this life, I am praying and it is my plan to recite the promises that God has made to me as I move from this life into the next I didn't make those promises. God did. I did not initiate this grace. God did. I did not build heaven. God did. I did not write my name in the book. God did. And as I, if God will give me the presence of mind for just a while, I will quote the promises that God has made to me. This is what David is talking about. You're the one who made these promises, gave to me this covenant. You are the one who called me into service. It's, it's, not, it's not me at stake. I'm out here crawling around like a worm, thinking that behind every big weed I'm going to feel the thrust of a, of a sword or the prick of a spear. This is for your sake. And in your loving kindness, you shall cut off my enemies. Because of what you've said about me, the covenant love. There's that word again, you see. Because 
of, of your covenant love and loyalty to me, you shall cut off my enemies because I haven't been anointed king yet. And you shall destroy all the oppressors of my soul because you placed me in your service. There's nothing wrong with praying a prayer like that. Let's pray we'll be through. Father God, how we love you and how we admire a man like David in whose heart you placed these wonderful prayers as examples to us. Father, I pray that we'll be nurtured by such examples that we will seek the deeper and deeper things of your word and be comforted more and more in this life as we seek to serve you and do your will. Give us the strength to live for you and to tell others about your love for us in Christ. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.